get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. The, the ranking member, uh, the, a social worker, the, the a ranking a tough guy and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We have a, a lot to cover today, uh, as usual. The uh, the our government is just failing us. You know that's what's happening. It seems like we have um, news out of San Francisco that um, reparations they want to pay five million dollars per person per black person. I happen to be Native American. Uh, how can I get on in on that action? Who wins and who loses? Is it the um, and, and I wonder what kind of lobbying group Black Lives Matter put together because eighty three billion dollars is what they received. Black Lives Matter received eighty three billion dollars. Are you kidding me? Since since uh, Michael Brown said, hands up, don't shoot out of Ferguson, Missouri. $83 billion? No wonder they're buying up all those houses. Because they don't want to put them in Silicon Valley Bank because that's going to collapse. It's turning out that Silicon Valley Bank is looking more like FTX. Silicon Valley Bank was a slush fund for Gavin Newsom. And the woke left. They spent... 70-something million dollars on diversity, equity, and inclusion. They were woke as they could be. They donated all of their money to liberal candidates. Isn't that what Sam Bankman-Fried did through FTX? Everybody loaned and donated money to Ukraine. Ukrainian National Bank aligned themselves, partnered with FTX. And then FTX run by Sam Bankman-Fried, donated billions of dollars, almost matching Soros-level money, to the Democrats. And still they want to talk about, we got the Koch brothers. The Koch brothers hate Trump. (laughs) It's crazy. It's absolutely stunning. The inequity of what we see in the news. And someone wants to give somebody $5 million 
for reparations? Are you crazy? I'd get the heck out of Dodge in a second. I tweeted this out yesterday. I said, nobody should ever pay reparations. Ever. Ever. Never. Never should you ever agree to pay reparations. Once you do that, it's game over for a republic like, such as the United States. It's game over. There is no justice anymore. There is no... Uh, it, at that moment, you've become a tyrannical socialist state. We're already there. But as soon as you are paying the price and the penalty for somebody else's crime, you know, you, it's game over. So I say this. any If you're living in San Francisco... And they already are the biggest city in terms of um, housing drops, pricing drops. Their, their housing prices are losing money because of, you know, all the crack and, and heroin on the streets and, and the, uh, how expensive it's become to live in San Francisco and the haves and the have-not uh, gap, economic gap, is, is the biggest in the, probably in history. And you can just go on and on with these socialist policies that run cities into the ground like Detroit and like every other city, Baltimore. Look, I've been there. It stinks. And, and you know, here's the thing. Never, ever agree to pay reparations. If, if your city's going to do that, if you're living in, say, Philadelphia and they want to do that, you move out of Philadelphia, you no longer... Give them the privilege of collecting your taxes. You just move out and let them figure it out on their own. And that's the way it is also with our country. Expatriates, people are leaving for for greener pastures. The only problem is that we live in a globalist world where our problems are looking a lot like other problems. You go to Europe... And you got this black rhetoric again, more handouts, we're slaves, you know, never mind the fact that there were black slave owners back in the day, and never mind the fact that slavery has been going on forever, and never mind the fact that the same party that's issuing the reparations for the mistakes they made from the past, because it was their idea, KKK was a Democrat idea, Jim Crow laws were social, um, Southern Democrat lawmakers' ideas. And so was Jefferson Davis. Lincoln was the first Republican president. It was George Wallace that blocked uh, the school, school kids integ- uh, wanting to integrate in Alabama. He was a Democrat. There was no switch. The only switch is that media is allowing them to not own up to the mistakes that they made. So they want to pay off those. But you know what? They're, while they're doing it, they're making the same damn mistakes again. They're making them again. What do you think equity is? Equity is all about racism and discrimination. What do you think affirmative action is? What do you think about all of these things? They're all that. When you pick winners and losers based on skin color, it's ridiculous. It's the exact opposite of what Martin Luther King stood for when he made so much sense in his dream speech talking about the content of one character and not the color of one's skin, not to be judged 
by things you can't control. It's insane, though, that the Democrats, who claim to be the widest and most educated, are the ones that are the least tolerant. Now, I've known this for decades. You can't tell me this just started happening. I used to, in the 1980s, I studied politics in college. And I used to write my my articles and my um, essays and and my political opinions. And there would be three pros and three cons, and I would make it somewhat neutral. And then at the end, I would slightly slant it to the left to make it look like my liberal bias was shining through because I knew that the professor would hate me if I came out with my true conservative self. And he would give me a lesser grade. He would give me, instead of an A, he would give me a C+. You didn't quite get it. You don't quite get the essence of liberalism. So, you know, I played the guy like a fool because I knew, always knew liberals were fools. I always knew it. And it's shining so bright right now. You know, and we have liberal leadership right now that they're in power for, the, for one reason and one reason alone. They, they rigged the election. They got outside foreign monies from FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried and George Soros, who rigs election, uh, rigs election systems for a living. George Soros, look it up, has been involved in election systems for the last two decades minimum. And his son as well. And they, they practiced in... With their open uh, society, they practice these coups in developing nations, and they've upped their game to to go to first generation uh, or for, for uh, first world countries, and they've done it with the partnership and help of the World Economic Forum, the corporations, and their disciples, the people that are getting elected and penetrating the cabinets. We all have heard Klaus Schwab. We have all heard George Soros. And they're the ones that are getting the help of corporations and media, the cooperation of media. And it's all a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle where uh, they're pushing a globalist agenda to the point where they're, they're, they're allowing this death and destruction to happen because it creates chaos, it creates diversion, it creates, uh, um, it creates coercion in terms of a carrot and a stick, it creates co- co- confusion and chaos and crisis, and they exploit these scrambles the way they do. For example, if you allow your cities to become overridden with crime and you never prosecute the crime because you have these woke DAs that were funded and founded by George Soros. We all know that happened. Well, then what happens is the leadership will tell you, well, you'd need digital currency. You won't get robbed if you have uh, digital currency. If you walk around with cash, yeah, you're going to get robbed in our city because we don't do anything about crime. 
So you might want to embrace digital currency. We told you. You better embrace digital currency or you're going to get robbed. And there's nothing we can do about it. That's what they're saying, aren't they? And so you comply. And then they create a virus. And you say, you're going to get sick. You're going to die. You're going to have a really bad time. And by the way, if you get sick, you're not going to be allowed to go to the theater. You got to put this mask on. You can't talk to your neighbor. You can't travel anywhere. And by the way, take this jab that costs a lot of money. It may be free to you, but it's it's ba- it's a way to redistribute your taxes to the pharmaceutical companies. Take the jab, and then we'll allow you to walk outside. But you got to get the jab first, and we're going to require that you show your papers. And they exploit something which they created, a virus. No different than when Bill Gates would invent a virus to then sell an antivirus program to, to put it out in software. So, you know, we see this all the time. They've exploited climate. Why is it that they talk about climate, but they've been wrong all the time? You know, it was just uh, printed out uh, the other day that Greta Thunberg said in 2018 that we have five years before we're wiped off the face of the earth. Leonard Nimoy said by the, in 79, by the year 2000, we're going to be a, a vast desert of uh, ice storms. Of course, that didn't happen. Al Gore said all the ice caps would be melted by 2012 or something like that. Lies. All lies. Yet they keep on getting the microphone. They keep on getting the platform and the stage. They keep on getting the endorsements. They keep on being supported and embraced by the media. They're all lying to you. Whether it's climate, whether it's COVID, whether it's crime. All of those have the same blueprint. We create the problem and then we actually push controls and it's you, the taxpayer, you, the law-abiding citizen that is going to pay the price. And that's a sad, sad truth. You're the, you're the one that ends up paying the price for it. Take guns. The law-abiding gun owner doesn't kill people. It's the person who got their guns illegally that does. But everybody else has to pay the price. We have a clip today that's going to blow your mind about what what uh, Biden has said about guns. We have so many things to talk about today. But first, we're going to take this caller. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, yes, real quick. Uh, I lived in San Francisco for about a year. And there was a saying there when I lived there. So goes California. So goes the nation. What's happening right now in San Francisco is absolutely by design. They know this is the most liberal city in the United States, and they can push anything they want on the gay agenda, whatever it is, black reparations. Uh, it was Newsom, if you'll remember, in the 80s. California actually voted against gay marriage, but Newsom, when he was the mayor of San Francisco, pushed it through, and then they ran right over it, ramshot it. They got it in. And California was first to set the trend, and the nation followed. So 
what's happening is by design, uh, this is all a planned, it's just like the planned scamdemic. Yeah. What's happening now in San Francisco. And, and also, I've been following the housing market closely, and um, and San Francisco has the worst housing market right now. And you're going to see that also. Where so goes California, so goes the rest of the country. You're going to see that as well. But thank you for calling in. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, take care. All right, so we're going to yeah, keep calls short if we can. Um, all right, so here's a couple of other things. You take the border, the Republicans wanted a full committee down at the border, but the Democrats didn't want to show. And the Republicans really exposed the border for what it is. We have a couple of clips there that we're going to play. Uh, And then we have um, Joe Biden, uh, you know, talking about an old story about Joe. His dad said, Joey, you know, when he talked about gay two guys kissing. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. He's been busted in another lie. Um, so let's just get started. We have a couple of clips that we're going to play. And uh, I'm going to start with border security. Um, and I want you to listen to this clip. It's really good. And then we're going to get to one with Marjorie Taylor Greene. So let's take a listen. The the ranking member uh, said that many of President uh, Trump's policies have been continued. Um, Is the fence continuing to be built on the southern border? No. Is the remain in Mexico policy being continued? No. Is the agreement with the northern triangle countries to immediately deport illegal immigrants who come into this country, has that policy been continued? No. Yeah, right. Uh, so those are the policies that kept us safe. Those were the policies that worked. And Marjorie Taylor Greene went as far as to say, you know, there's a bomb. Uh, there's a bomb on board. You know, there was a bomb that was uh, sitting there waiting to blow up our border security. Let's take a listen. Chief Ortiz, are you aware that there was an explosive device found by Border Patrol agents on January 17th in an area called No Man's Land? And there's surveillance of who put it there. And guess what? It wasn't Americans. It was cartels. Are you aware of that? Now, he gives a wishy-washy answer basically because it's, it's, um, well, here it is. Thank you. He can't answer it because good it's... Good to see you again. I will tell you that uh, some of this information that uh, I receive, I receive in a, a, a confidential uh, skiff, so... It's classified, so he can't answer it, but he knows about it. So there's a... Um, there's a... Oh, okay. I, 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 got, I got a whole bunch of clips that I'm, I have lined up, and I just need to uh, make sure I do it in an orderly fashion. So so that it makes sense. Uh, I want to play this clip from uh, Elise Stefanik uh, with Chris Ray. Uh, this is um, about the stonewalling at the FBI. 
Uh, I also want to shift gears here regarding Judiciary Committee. I serve on the select subcommittee there, and this committee has made 50 different requests for information and documents concerning the operations and the actions of the FBI. And to date, the FBI has not complied with the Judiciary Committee's long outstanding request for information and documents. The FBI is accountable to Congress and, by extension, the American people. Responding to this routine oversight is the bare minimum. And today, the FBI failed to send a witness to the Judiciary Committee hearing, saying that we had this hearing happening. Can you commit to sending a witness before the next Judiciary Committee subcommittee hearing on March 28th? We're happy to work with you on making sure we Can you commit to provide a witness? We will, of course, make people available to the committee. But you didn't make people available today. This is the base minimum. The agencies need to provide witnesses. Can I get a commitment? Yes, you will provide a witness. We will work with you to make people available. That's not a yes. So for the American people, you are having the FBI director refuse to provide a witness. Just say yes. I'm not refusing to provide a witness. I want to be clear on that. I said we will work with you to make somebody available. So, great. So someone will be made available. Yes. Yes, thank you. That's all I wanted, a yes. Moving forward, do you believe the Hunter Biden laptop story is disinformation? Well, I want to be careful about there is an ongoing investigation that is relevant to that. uh, So I have to be careful of what I can share on that here. Do you believe the Hunter Biden laptop story is disinformation? I don't think there's anything I can share on that in open setting. Were you aware that the FBI personnel were in contact with Twitter regarding the Hunter Biden laptop story? I don't believe FBI personnel were in contact with with Twitter about the Hunter laptop story specifically. I think there were people in contact with Twitter about Russian disinformation efforts. Of which the Hunter Biden laptop story was included according to the FBI. Well, I think I don't know exactly what you're looking at, but, but I'm happy to talk about what it is the FBI does and does not do with respect to social media companies. Were you aware that the FBI had Hunter Biden's laptop since December of 2019? I can't speak to exactly when we had a laptop available. There is, a, there is as, you, as you know, there is an ongoing investigation run by the U.S. attorney out of Delaware from the prior administration that we continue to work very closely with. And, and we have Baltimore, an ongoing investigation as well. And our Baltimore field office is working very hard with that U.S. attorney, and I expect them to pursue that case uh, as far as it takes. This stonewalling, Director Ray, the American people deserve answers, and this is unacceptable. Lastly, did you sign off on the Mar-a-Lago raid? Uh, well, first off, it was not a raid. It was an execution of a search warrant. Did you second, sign off on the execution second, of the search warrant? I, may I finish? Second, I don't sign off on individual search warrants in that case or in any other. Did Attorney General Merrick Garland sign off to your awareness? I can't speak to the Attorney General. Was there dissent at senior levels of the FBI about the conducting of the, of the search warrant? I, I can't speak to indiv- internal discussions among the FBI or among the FBI and the Department of Justice. Even though it's been reported in the Washington Post? There are lots Multiple. of things reported in the media. I know, leaked from your agency. Yeah. Leaked from your agency yeah. frequently. It's reported in the and Washington Post. It may or may Post. not be accurate. It may or may not be accurate. With that, I yield back. <laughs> Man, well, it was brutal. And, you know, just this guy obviously doesn't think that he works for you, right? Um, you know, this is the kind of corruption that we've gotten. And it all, it's, it, you know, it goes way back. I have a bunch of clips I want to share with you that I experienced when, in my research. This is one that's just a little fun tidbit, but it's about the Bush family. 
Let's take a listen. 1942, the Feds seized the assets of an American bank funding the Third Reich during World War II under the Trading with the Enemy Act. The bank's director, Prescott Bush. 1963, a prominent House Republican spoke at an oil industry event in Dallas on the eve of JFK's assassination. He later called in a false tip to the FBI. To this day, he can't recall any of this happening or even where he was. His name? George Herbert Walker Bush. 1981. The night before John Hinckley shot President Reagan, Hinckley's brother Scott was supposed to have dinner with a close friend. Who was it? Neil Bush. 2001 on 9-11. Stratasec handled security for the World Trade Center, Dallas Airport, and United Airlines. Who served seven years on their board of directors? Marvin Bush. That is quite a family bush. I mean tree. 1942. <laughs> yeah, you can't make this stuff up, right? It's The, the coincidences are just... So Lindsey Graham uh, about Ukraine says, uh, to those who believe that Russia's unprovoked and barbaric invasion of Ukraine is not a priority for the United States, you are missing a lot. Well, Lindsey Graham is just corrupt, and there's a reason why, you know, they want to keep the gravy train running. Um, by the way, the Russian official statement, Russia knew, Russia knew what was going on with uh, that exchange between the drone and the uh, fighter, uh, Russian fighter jet. They knew it was going to be on tape. And what they, their account of it, it turns out the video was released and it never did do what CBS reported it did. It didn't clip the propeller because the camera that was on the drone didn't get shaky. It didn't jar. But what they were doing was throwing, you know, spraying it with gas and they were going to recover it. So it was a procedure that they had been trained about. So in any case, that's uh, that's that. So here it is. They don't want you to see the facial recognition of J6 footage as there's a couple of people I've identified, uh, not I've, uh, this guy says, I've identified as Ukrainians in the Azov Battalion, you know, the the uh, uh, Nazi battalion uh, that belongs to Ukraine <laughs> that we're funding, um, connected to John McCain and Lindsey Graham, dating all the way back to the overthrow. So that's Pete Sintelli. So let's take a listen to this. This is J6. This is related. This is a combination of Ukrainian mercenaries, Azov Battalion, infiltrating J6. It's kind of an interesting They don't want anyone to see the facial recognition because there's a couple of people that I've already identified and have seen the facial recognition of Ukrainians that were on the ground, Azov Battalion members that are associated and connected to John McCain, Lindsey Graham, dating all the way back to the overthrow. That's why they don't want us to see the facial recognition. Those people were in the crowd. Evan Newman uh, was also a a Ukrainian uh, uh, color revolutionary protester. He was able to evade FBI. They let him go, actually, and he escaped to Belarus. Some complexities there. More to come. Hopefully it'll get blown up in court. The truth shall set us free, of course. It always comes out. That's an interesting tidbit. You know, just like uh, Monica Crowley came out with this uh, tidbit about 
the biolabs in Ukraine being the root cause of COVID, and then Wuhan by extension. There's a lot going on with Ukraine, actually, and there's a lot going on with the fraud and the banking. We're going to get to the fraud and the banking next. But we're still talking about Biden's foreign policy. To me, this is interesting. Remember early in the year, or late last year, Biden went to Australia and forged a new tri-meeting tri, tri, uh, tri with Australia, and I think it may have been New Zealand, I'm not sure. But it was basically like a uh, an alliance, a Pacific alliance. Well, this is where Joe Biden gets himself played. He thinks he's the smartest dude in the room, and he's the dumbest. And that's the scariest kind of smart is the guy that thinks he's the smartest, but he's really the dumbest. And that's Joe Biden. Let's take a listen to another example of how Joe Biden gets himself played on the foreign stage, because he's an idiot. President Biden began the day at Naval Base Point Loma with an historic meeting with the Prime Ministers of Australia and the UK. Biden calling this an inflection point in history that will affect the prospect of peace for decades to come. The United States can ask for no better partners in the Indo-Pacific where so much of our shared future will be written. I know. So much. Hold on. That the three nations, which formed a partnership 18 months ago known as AUKUS, are accelerating plans to provide Australia with nuclear-powered submarines in an effort to help... Now, who gets nuclear-powered submarines if Australia gets them? Do you guys follow any of this stuff? Did you just live through COVID? China runs Australia. We're handing over nuclear submarine technology, basically, to China. By way of Australia... Who is woke, remember? Um, Jacinda Ardern. She, you know, basically incarcerated uh, non-COVID COVID people that weren't complying with COVID. And you remember when France got upset about the stealing the contract um, on the nuclear submarines? And now we're going to be making these nuclear submarines, profiting from it. And you better believe that the Bidens are probably involved in a kickback somewhere along the way, as they always are. And, you know, they're involved in every little scheme. That's why this, you know, this oversight committee, if they can get to the bottom of certain things, that would be great. And here's the problem, too, with Ukraine. Are the sanctions working? No. Why are we even there? It's a great question. Check this out from Markets Insider. Russia is so cut off from the international financial system that the Kremlin thinks Western sanctions have ensured the country against the banking crisis. And see, what we're seeing is we're seeing a report that says Credit Suisse is 97, lost 97% of their stock value in the wake of all these other banking crises, right? So... Credit Suisse is bigger than uh, Silicon Valley. And when you take a look at that, you take a look at that, it's going to crash and it's going to be too big to bail out. It's just going to crash. And people, it's going to be a theft from people. And people are going to be making a run on that bank, or they already have, 
And that bank has no future. But guess what? Russia is not part of the globalist agenda. They're not part of G7. They're not part of this debacle, this, this globalist woke agenda. So Russia is going to remain unscathed. Well played, Vladimir Putin. And how stupid is our foreign policy in America that we've gotten ourselves into a quagmire where, figure this out. Can anyone figure this out? How is it that we spent $100 billion on Ukraine and Ukraine claims they're out of bullets? When $100 billion is more than the typical annual military budget for Russia and they're not out of bullets. You, you can't tell me that's the equivalent of a 110% turnout vote in an election. It can't be done unless there's fraud and abuse and corruption. That's what it is. How in the world do we spend $100 billion more than Russia's annual budget and run out of bullets? And they're still begging for more assets and more money. How in the world does that happen? Unless there's corruption. And how in the world are we engaged in these sanctions that don't work? This is just a laundering scheme, folks. This is a big, huge corruption. And the proof is starting to come out as clearly as the election fraud. We just don't have the infrastructure or the media or the justice system to do the right thing. And that therein lies the problem. The criminals are in charge of the investigators. Boomerang time. Russia thanked, uh, thanked Brandon for cutting them off from American banks because now they are insured against the U.S. banking crisis. Boom. Top, top, economic, top econ, economist explained how Silicon Valley bank future failure can lead to more buyers entering the housing market as mortgage rates fall faster. So if you see the housing market taking a bump, it's because people are pulling their money out of the banking industry and putting it into real estate. That's one thing that's a trend that you're going to see short term, which is going to pretty much delay the housing uh, market collapse, probably extended into 2024. So Dr. Doom, Noriel Robini, says Credit Suisse may be too big to save and risks igniting a Lehman, Mar- Lehman Brothers mo- moment. And here, Silicon Valley banks collapse and inflation are complicating the Fed's next move, which is next week. Will they? They were poised and ready to do a, a 0.5, like two ticks up, with, but, but they can't. They can't raise the rate two ticks. Will they raise it one tick or will they pause? And the question is because the banks can't handle. And then there's another argument that says that the globalists want to consolidate the big banks and create these monopolies uh, to push for digital currencies and regulations. And they have partnerships with these bigger banks. And that they don't care about the collapse of the smaller, mid, mid-sized banks. And so they might continue to raise the rates. And we don't know what, what he's going to do. 
But if he raises the rates, that's going to cause the price of that's uh, going to cause more turmoil in the housing market. If he creates a pause, then inflation is going to go up because what he's doing is trying to control inflation. Inflation is a big problem. All right, so um, here we got what did uh, Silicon Valley Bank do? Let's take a listen to this clip right, right here. According to amazing new analysis from the Claremont Institute, Silicon Valley Bank, brace yourself, spent more than $73 million on donations to BLM and related organizations. Wow! And this is not personal. And they, they also sold off their stocks just before the collapse. So they did that as well. Um, Newsom under fire, Gavin Newsom under fire for failing to disclose personal ties to Silicon Valley Bank. Let's take a listen. Uh, there is a new wrinkle to the White House response to Silicon Valley Bank, though, because we're finding out that California's governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, who President Biden spoke to privately last weekend about steps to protect deposits, actually had money in Silicon Valley Bank through family vineyards called uh, Cade, Odette and Plumpjack. Newsom's public statement on the bank did not disclose any of those family ties. We now know that Gavin Newsom was lobbying the Biden administration without disclosing his own personal interests in the bank. And what's happening? The Biden administration is bailing out this bank and they're going to charge every American for it. Uh, there is. So we're going to pay for Gavin Newsom's mistakes. That is a highway robbery. Um, all right. 8.6% uh, CPI in Europe. That's uh, inflation. Accelerating in France and Spain on last reading. And yet EU bond yields are falling off a cliff as bank stocks melt down today. ECB meeting tomorrow where they were supposed to raise another 50 base points. Uh, absolute garbage fire. So this is basically uh, the beginning of a, uh, potentially the beginning of a, a banking crisis. I mentioned about guns. This is something that Joe Biden said yesterday. Let's take a listen. This, folks, is scary because they got to take away your guns if they want to control you. As I continue to call on Congress to require background checks for all firearm sales. And in the meantime, in the meantime, my executive order directs my attorney general to take every executive lawful order. action possible, possible to move us as close as we can to universal background checks without new legislation. Yeah, Trump was right. He called all of this. Um, Let's take a listen. All right. So, well, first, let's take a listen to this. This is uh, this is um, a clip from Tucker, and this is the Joe Biden tall tale about um, gay marriages and stuff like that. His latest claim, which is pretty funny, actually. He claimed that he started supporting gay marriage in the United States when he saw two men kissing in Wilmington, Delaware, in the early 1960s, because... In the early 1960s in Wilmington, Delaware, that kind of thing happened all the time. Dudes were just making out everywhere. Here's Joe Biden. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh -huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school. And my dad was dropping me off 
I remember about to get out of the car and I looked to my right. Such a liar. Two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. <laughs> so they go on from there, right? And they play this clip. But I'm going to play this clip for Joe Biden in like 2012 or something like that, or 2008. But more than importantly, one of the buildings wasn't built until 1983, and they were seven miles away from the school that he went to. So um, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's just a flat-out lie um, of epic proportions. But that's, that's all Joe Biden ever does. Hair basket. We are desperately concerned about the circumstance relating to uh, avian flu. We don't have enough vaccines. We don't have enough police officers. And we're going to debate the next three weeks, I'm told, gay marriage, a flag amendment, and God only knows what else. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law. The Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. Boom. <laughs> so, you know, Joe Biden is just a flat out liar. Um, there's nine minutes, there's nine minutes of videotape, audio tape. Uh, where Democrats pushing to defund the police in the wake of Soros-funded DAs. Their agenda is to use bought-and-paid-for investigators to turn a blind eye to election fraud while telling citizens to adopt digital currency to avoid being robbed. That's what I said in the beginning of the show. And I sometimes will say something later in the show that I say in the beginning of the show because people come in and listen at different times in the show. But I wanted to play this clip. I've played this once a long time ago. Um, But this clip is super great. There's a reason why the Biden crime family is pushing EVs, jacking the price of gas up on average working class Americans, closing lease agreements on drilling, selling China our strategic oil reserves, and shutting down oil development projects like Keystone XL and their... uh, and with the help, with help from the Biden crime family, China invested a billion dollars in Arizona-based Freeport McMoran cobalt copper mine, and in addition to China's leading battery manufacturer, Emperex. Let's take a listen. Entirely from Chinese state-backed companies, contributed over a billion dollars to the buyout of Arizona-based Freeport McMoran for the purchase of a cobalt copper mine and copper mine in the Democratic Republic of Congo, when my good friend Mr. Donalds talked about cobalt, Hunter Biden stood to gain millions on the deal. The firm also purchased a stake in China's contemporary Amperex technology company, the world's biggest maker of batteries for electric vehicles. Committee Republicans have already written to the Transportation Secretary about our concerns that due to the Biden administration's policies, American jobs are suffering. For example, Ford Motor Company recently announced that it will cut 8,000 more American jobs. As Republicans highlighted in our January letter to the National Archivist, 
The American people deserve answers on the extent of of Hunter Biden's business dealings, both domestic and abroad, and whether, or really how much, then President, excuse me, then Vice President Joe Biden was aware of the extent to which his son was trading on President Biden's name. Or yep, that's it. And th- that's just one little nugget. There's so many more. And uh, so let's take a listen to this. This is, um, this is getting back to uh, uh, the Fed, uh, the Federal Reserve. We, I want to I share this with you. This is a pretty interesting exchange between Elizabeth Warren and and uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. I would explain to people more broadly that that inflation is extremely high and it's hurting the working people of this country badly. And we are taking the, the only measures we have to bring inflation down. And putting two million people out of work is just part of the cost and they just have to bear it will working people be better off if if we just walk away from our jobs and and inflation remains five six percent joining me right now to look at the economy the macro story is the co-founder of home depot ken langone is here ken it's great to see you welcome back to the show Hi, Maria. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, and I hope you are, too. I want to get your take on the current business environment under the Biden administration. Ken, you've got investments in a whole host of industries and have a great vantage point to tell us what you're seeing on the macro story. How do you assess? Well, first of all, Maria, I would classify the Fed as a gang that can't shoot straight. This goes back more than uh, 18 months when they were saying that inflation was transitory and smarter people than them, namely Stan Druckenmiller and people like Stan, were all saying the exact opposite. So they got, lo- they got started late on the fight against inflation. And now, frankly, they act like the gang that can't shoot straight because we should keep raising rates until we break it. Now, it's going to be some pain. Senator Warren, she talks out of both sides of her mouth. What she doesn't realize is the people who pay the most for inflation are the lower income people. Inflation is the most regressive of all taxes ever. We don't like paying higher prices, but we can afford to pay higher prices. Nothing changes in our life. But a family of four living from paycheck to paycheck has to start asking the questions, do I go with meat or do I go with a substitute? And on and on and on, because these people are really being impacted. There's no simple way to snap the back of inflation. The Fed needs to be more aggressive and needs to be determined to make it happen. My problem with the Fed overall is there's too many academics in the mix. Mm. I think if you had more business people involved or people with business backgrounds, I think you might see a different dialogue and different decisions. Yeah, that's a for great sure. Point. Yeah. For sure, Maria. Yeah. We would have raised rates a lot sooner, a lot higher to get a control of inflation. It's now out of control. Yeah. And I think, frankly, I don't know how you avert a serious financial crisis where we are right now. Yeah. I don't have any idea how you do it. Well, this, and, it's, and now it's more a more distinct possibility. Well, there's also this issue around wages and this tight employment market, right? I mean, what are you seeing in terms of jobs? Because Jay Powell yesterday called the labor market, quote, extremely tight. Ken, this morning we get news that President <clears throat> Biden is proposing a 5.2% raise for federal employees in his budget. So the budget's going to be out tomorrow. And, you know, 
going into it, they're linking the story that he's going to propose a raise for federal employees, the largest salary boost, Ken, in 43 years. So if you're raising wages right now, what does that do for the tight market that we're already suffering under? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good that employees have seen their their, uh, wages go up. But it's a problem for businesses. Look at Home Depot just recently saying they have to spend a billion dollars because of this tight labor market. Well, we want to make sure our people are taken care of. Maria, to me, the first obligation you have in business is taking care of your people. Made the decision, we have to do something for our people. So we've, we, but our people need it. And with, with, if that's the case, we're really in trouble. Because the American people are a lot smarter than that, and they see it. Yeah. And I'm afraid, Maria, the American people need to understand there's no pain, no gain. Maybe uh, we're going to put two million people out of work, but I don't know any way around dealing with a problem of inflation and the, and the tragedy of what comes with inflation. As I say, the poor people, the little people, the people living from paycheck to paycheck, they're the ones that get hurt the most. Yeah. Which is why, think about them. Which is so, why umpteen times you've but, said in the past, I don't need Social Security. Yeah, well, he goes on and, you know, the, the, the same people that are in charge of tweaking this economy are the same exact people that said the inflation was transitory. So the point that he makes right there, the head of Home De- uh, Depot, the, co-found, the f- co-founder of Home Depot, Ken Langone. Langone basically said we need more business pen and not academics. That's number one. Number one. Number two, he basically was saying that. Oh, and then there's something I want to say about the jobs market. But the other uh, part of it is that they waited too long. They waited way too long. And so banks like Silicon Valley were managed properly. Um, fell. Right. Because it was just too much pressure on the banks when these rates were, you know, and it was an unprecedented amount of rate hikes that the Fed was doing. But because it, 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 the root cause of it is probably the COVID lockdown. Then when the restrictions were lifted, you know, it was the drunken sailor syndrome, right? People with a wad of cash come out, come out from sea and they go into town and they blow a lot of money and stimulate the economy. And that's what happened. And it happened on a grand scale, on a global scale. And that's why you have this global collapse. And the jobs, the 311,000 jobs uh, where only 206,000 were expected or something like that, that isn't quite what it seems. The job market is always a laggard um, to other aspects of the economy. And what you're going to see is you're going to basically see an advancement of automation, especially because New York is pushing $21 and change for minimum wage now. It's never enough. And it never will be enough so long as you have inflation. So this whole thing about giving government employees a raise to basically um, to uh, counter, counteract the inflation is, is, is just causing more and more problems. It's another way for the Biden administration to stimulate the economy, which is what caused more pressure on demand and less, um, less infrastructure on supply because people are just giving more, give, being given more money by the taxpayers, paid for by the middle class, uh, 
and the spending is making Jerome Powell's job much more difficult, and it's causing the banking crisis. There's there's no free lunch at the end of the day. Somebody's going to have to pay. And I think in some way they're preparing to to push digital currency uh, as a result of it. Sorry about that. Uh, caller, you're on the air. This is John from Chicago, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Hey, Scott. So just wanted to reiterate your point earlier regarding, you mentioned about uh, governments wanted to centralize banks and sort of uh, leave the smaller banks by the wayside. And I think that's a trend you see throughout government. They talk about small business, but they actually prefer to deal with big business. For one thing, big businesses tend to be woke. Small businessmen, virtually everyone I know, is not woke because they have to deal with the hard scrabble realities on the ground and they tend yeah. to really understand the lessons of how to make it. They're more in, in touch with kitchen table, kitchen table politics. Yes. That's exactly right. But in addition to that, it's much harder to corral a lot of small businesses to do your bidding. If you have AT&T and Verizon, EE and I don't know, pick corporation, whatever it is. Uh, and you can say, get 200 of them to control uh, you know, 50% of the economy, as opposed to having all sorts of small uh, businesses, it's much easier to make sure they do your bidding. So you say you have to hire a certain number of blacks or women or gays or this, they're more likely to carry it out for you, particularly because now through education and in the educational indoctrination at the university level and other elsewhere, they are committed to these policies as well. So they'll carry out the government policies perhaps even without a government imprimatur, but certainly with a government imprimatur or government edict. And so they will accomplish your policy ends much more efficiently because they're a private business, so there's some degree of efficiency there. And without uh, getting your hair must trying to chase down every Tom, Dick, and Harry on the corner with his own business. So it's, um, it's it, that I think is something they would prefer, and they tend to, and plus these guys have the lobbying strength. So I think you're exactly right on that point. Thank you. Well, it's a good time to end the show then, right? Because we're out of time. Well, yeah, I, just kind of one thing. Okay. The other thing is, everything you hear from these guys is distortion after distortion after distortion. The government getting involved in who you can hire, who you can fire, huge distortion. The government right. directing money to this group or that group from midnight basketball to bank, it's a distortion. Right. That always works out badly, and that's what you're seeing more of. Most of it is just step back. and want to know the example of how to do it. Look at Calvin Coolidge 100 years ago. Right. The man, basically, he cut taxes, cut government at the time we had a really bad crisis like 2008, and, and even like the Great Depression, we were out of it in between six to nine months. Within a right. year, we were we out need, of it. We need Donald Trump. Donald Trump will be the next Calvin Coolidge. But, hey, thank you for uh, Thanks, calling in. Thanks. Take care. All right. Yeah, we need stronger leadership, that's for sure. And um, in any case, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. It's really one of the fuel systems for keeping us alive here. Um, we want to advance America First policies to make America great again. Also, use Red State over at mypillow.com. And with that, we're commercial free every day, folks. So help us out. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye.